Last week we talked about emotion and how the United States right now is sort of awash in misused emotion. Emotion is a wonderful thing. God gave it to us. It's the first of your faculties that you develop. I mean, everybody who has an infant or a two-year-old recognizes the first thing they do is emotion. And the next thing, of course, they do is reason. And one hopes that they will then be educated and will get to the point where their emotion becomes controlled. We're not there. So I was looking at Passover, and one of the things that helps to get emotion under control is education and revelation. So as you get older, one hopes that you'll be taught and you'll recognize that what's happening to you is not the most important thing in the world at the moment, and you'll get that under control. If you've been watching the events of the last couple of weeks, what you recognize, especially with this business with the Florida shooting, is the United States right now is awash in adolescent emotion. The kids that are involved in that have been put front and center, and they get poked and prodded, and they get encouraged to give full vent to their emotion, and they get applauded for that. The United States has a problem in that we don't have many adults anymore. If you look at the development of a person, a human being, you know, he starts off as a little kid, and they're all full of emotions and stuff, and you teach them, and you train them, and they get up, and the next thing that happens is they hit adolescence, and their bodies change, and all sorts of stuff happens, and it is a time of really intense emotion. We're designed that way. I mean, there's nothing particularly wrong with that unless it lasts for the rest of your life. The idea of adolescence is it's supposed to be a time that you go through fairly quickly and then you step forward and you become an adult and you can take your adult responsibilities in the world and so forth. And what's happened in our society is we've lost that transition. Think about somebody like um, Zuckerberg. I mean, this is a 35-year-old guy with a billion dollars at his disposal who runs around in jeans and t-shirts. Now, there's nothing wrong with being comfortable, you understand. But Mr. Zuckerberg, I will suggest, has never really grown into adulthood. He's got resources that would have been unimaginable to anybody, and he's still basically an adolescent. Now, what does that have to do with Passover? Everything. Because what is the instruction that we get for the Passover Seder? What's the most important thing about the Passover Seder? Teach your children. So the whole purpose of Scripture is that we should bring up and teach our children and help them get through these emotional storms that they have during their life and bring them up to be adults. And in fact, in the Jewish way of doing things, when a young man hits that age, there's a ceremony called Bar Mitzvah, where he does a transition and he becomes an adult. An adult that still needs a lot of experience, you know, I mean, at, at that age he doesn't have a lot of experience. But the point is he's made a formal transition from being a child into being an adult, and that happens at about adolescent. Women in some ways have it easier because their bodies do that for them. 
boys don't have any specific markers, if you will. So society has to do ceremonies to take boys. And, and by the way, who's been doing all the shooting in schools lately? Boys who have not been helped to bring into adulthood. They've just been sort of left on their own to figure it out for themselves. And remember I said last time, one of the reasons that God wrote the scriptures for us is because we can't figure it out for ourselves. Remember the example I used? The example was the flood. From the creation until the flood was 2,000 years. And at the end of that, God finally said, this isn't working at all, wiped them all out and starts over with another family. And in that second time around, he goes to great lengths to give us instructions, to teach us, to give us tools to get beyond the emotion, to teach us things that we can't figure out for ourselves. Now, you all are the beneficiaries of having read the Bible for a long time. So this seems kind of, yeah, what's the big deal? Whenever you've been taught something for a long time, you sort of think, yeah, what's the big deal? But look at that generation before the flood. I mean, they lived for hundreds of years, yet they were unable to figure out how to live in a way that was eventually pleasing to God. So God finally wiped them out. And then he gave us scriptures to help us figure it out. So what we are doing with our youngsters is we're not giving them the help to figure it out. We're just sort of saying, oh, well, civilization is what it is, and you, know, you should be civilized, and so forth. But nobody's helping them. And so what God says to us at the Passover, teach your children. Do it purposefully. Because children need to be taught purposefully to become adults. Now, one of the problems, as I've said many times before, is in our particular society, Adults have lost their self-confidence. Parkland kids are wonderful examples of this. If you've listened to them, one of the things that I think one of those guys does on public television mocks his parents. I mean, my parents can't even figure out how to turn the phone on. So I said, all right, give it to me and I'll do it for you, dummy. Now, the whole idea here is the parent should be teaching the child and that's been reversed and you now have the child thinks that he should be teaching the parent and because he has a particular skill how to operate a phone how to operate a computer how to operate something he thinks that that skill makes him wiser than his parent and the problem that he has is his parents don't have the self-confidence to grab the little sucker by the stacking swivel and say no you may know how to operate a phone, but you're really kind of stupid. And you all have been through Proverbs. You know, there's several kinds of fool in Proverbs. The first kind of a fool is a young fool. And we all went through that. Everybody starts off as a young fool. And the book of Proverbs is designed to get you past being a young fool so that you can then grow into adulthood. If you continue to be a fool after you've gone through that period, then you become either a mocking fool or a hardened fool, and things get really bad for you. So the fact that these young people on television are fools is not their fault. Everybody starts off as a fool. That's part of the deal. 
The problem is nobody is grabbing these young people and saying, you're a fool. Sit down, be quiet, and let the adults handle this. Because one of the things that happen with adolescents is you have lots of emotion going on. And what you're seeing spilling out over the television is all of this emotion, and it's going somewhere. It needs a target. And so the target is, oh, by the way, everybody except who's actually responsible. But that doesn't matter because the emotion feels so good. I can get on television or in a demonstration or whatever, and I can rage, and I can feel righteously angry, and I can just, oh, boy, it just really feels good. doesn't matter that you're directing it at something that doesn't do any good. So let's go back to Passover. God said, teach your children, and one of the things that you'll have in your Seder are the questions. You know, why is this night different from all other nights? That has to be done by a child. Now, I'm sorry, some of you are probably going to have Passover ceremonies where you're not going to have any young children, and I'm sorry for that. But the ceremony is designed to teach children, and it's designed to move them in a direction of becoming adults. And one of the things that the Passover should teach, which again we've lost, is a sense of awe. Hank, when he was praying this morning, was praying about his sense of wonder at the body that God had created for him. One of these things this young man thinks is, okay, I understand a telephone. I'm smarter than my parents who don't understand a telephone. Therefore, I am wise and smart. And this sense of having mastered pieces of technology masks the fact that he doesn't have a sense of the eternal. In other words, he's got mastery of all these really clever toys. And don't get me wrong, clever toys are lots of fun. You know, I do computers and I don't do telephones, but I do computers and all that kind of stuff. I don't have any problem with technology. But what we've done is we have let our mastery of toys substitute for our sense of awe at the God who created us. And our society is deliberately suppressing that sense of awe. We can't talk about God in the schools anymore. You can't talk about God in the public square. You can't express your sense of awe at the creator of the universe. And so what we've done is we've substituted mastery of toys for a sense of awe. And it's not a fair trade-off. It's in fact a lousy trade-off. And then what happens is if you have no more sense of awe and wonder at the God who created all of this, then you wind up with a shallow and empty life, which most people have. They go through life shallow and empty, go back to Mr. Zuckerberg, who's a Jew. I don't get the impression that he has a very deep spiritual life. Again, I'm extrapolating from the things that I have seen him do. I don't know him, but I don't get the impression that he is especially wise. He's very clever. He's very good at technology. He's very good at making money. He's a very clever man. He's smart, but he's not wise or deep. And what we've done is we have created a society where wisdom and depth are not valued and where a sense of the majesty of God is suppressed. And what's happening then is we're designed to want a knowledge of the majesty 
of God. We're designed to want that. And if we try and mask that want with toys, what we wind up having is people who are spiritually empty. And when they get into the grip of very strong emotions, they will act out those emotions without an understanding of the consequences which are eternal. Now, I was talking to my lovely wife the other day, and she was talking to our daughter. And one of the things that she said is, in this particular church, we tend to be intellectual. I tend to be intellectual. That's just the way I am. Sorry about that. And we don't talk enough about the warmth of Yeshua and the love of Yeshua. And I was thinking about that as I was watching Aleph Beta. And he said that the primary theme of the Passover is not freedom. I mean, that's a big one, but that's not the primary theme. The primary theme of the Passover is empathy. Let's think about that a minute. If you look at the conversation that God had with Moses at the burning bush, and you can find that in Exodus 3, and I'll pick it up at 3.7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. So what God is saying to Moses is, I understand what you're going through. That's an emotional thing. That's an appeal to emotion. That's what God's doing there. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And behold... The cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. And again, God sees your suffering. It isn't the case that he's indifferent. It isn't the case that we have this, to use Dawkins, this clockwork universe that's completely indifferent to you. That's not what's going on. God sees you. He sees what's going on in your life. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you. So what God is saying in the Passover is, I see what's happened to you, I see your suffering, I care about you, and I will be with you. That's the message of the Passover. God empathizes with us. Let's fast forward to today, the crucifixion, which also, by the way, happened on Passover, right? Go to Hebrews, Hebrews 2.14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power over death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So what is Yeshua doing? He's delivering us from lifelong slavery. What did God do for the Israelites in the Exodus? He delivered them from lifelong slavery. So what I'm saying to you is Yeshua, and I'm firmly Trinitarian, I believe that Yeshua is the incarnate God, and what we're seeing at the crucifixion is exactly the same thing that we saw at the Exodus. And in both cases, what we're talking about is empathy. God knows. God knows your suffering. God sent someone like us, a human being, a man, 
and he partook of the same sufferings that we partake of. Therefore, he can empathize with us. Hebrews 2.18 For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he was able to help those who are being tempted. Why do you think God made Aaron the high priest? What did Aaron do just before he got chosen to be high priest? He made a golden calf, didn't he? Why do you suppose God chose him to be the high priest? Because he can understand us. This guy has done the worst possible thing that you could do. He made an idol at the foot of Mount Sinai. So when he looks at the things that you do, he's sort of going to be able to sympathize with you, having done it himself. Yeshua, when he looks at your life, is going to be able to empathize with you, having gone through it himself. God, when he talks to Moses at the burning bush, says, I know what you're going through. I empathize with you, and I will be with you. Yeshua says, I will be with you. So the whole point of the Passover, both the original one in Egypt and the crucifixion that we're celebrating this weekend, is we have a God who cares about us. We have a God who understands our emotions. We have a God who understands what we go through. And what I'm saying to you is, our society has lost track of that. The Sunday Christians see the Old Testament as, ah, it's just a bunch of rules. We don't want to do that anymore. And so they lose track of teach your children. And what we have is a society now that the adults who are supposed to teach the children have lost their self-confidence. Don't you do that. Understand that you've got young people that you're to bring up and you're to teach and you're supposed to be the adults. But the function of adults is to guide children through these emotional storms that they live through and get them to the other side so that they can take their place as adults and that's what the Passover is all about. You're supposed to sit down with your children and you're supposed to say, this is what God did for us. This is who God is. This is the God who loves us. This is the God who understands what we're going through. This is the God who has promised to be with us as we go through this life. That's what you're supposed to teach your children. In the immortal word of Paul, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. <laughs> 